just from a kind of food perspective, I've seen you know kids really shifting their behaviours in the food that they eat, and then subsequently uh, us getting you know getting calls from parents asking us to um, uh, you know would we uh, you know could we help with some recipes because their kids come home and said that they didn't want to eat X, Y, and Z, and now as a result the family are all eating differently. Welcome to Live Well, Be Well podcast with your host, Sarah Ann Macklin, and brought to you by the not-for-profit mental health organization, The Be Well Collective. This podcast aims to bring you nutritional insight and mental health awareness through people's own personal journeys and health professionals' evidence-based advice to guide you on your own journey. Welcome to episode five of Live Well, Be Well, season five. Today, this podcast looks at understanding our food system and food culture and how the younger generation of today can really help make and shape substantial changes which are needed. Understanding our food system can feel really complex and overwhelming. And the foundation of our food system begins with our soil health. Through my research for this podcast, I didn't understand the importance of actually looking through the food chain and seeing where the problem arises. How we farm our crops, the amount that we're ploughing and we're destroying all of our agriculture through unsustainable farming methods, to how our food is processed and how accessible food is to everyone. And is it accessible? Is the right food accessible? And that was a huge question that I had in my mind while researching this podcast. You know, food is everywhere. And food is also a political issue as well as a cultural issue. And our food culture shapes our decisions and our choices. And that ultimately impacts our health. Now, this seems a huge topic for just one podcast, and it is. So I'm going to interview different guests over the next few weeks to help expand on this. But a lot of this can be changed by educating the younger generation to become more aware. Because at the moment, we need to bring our attention to, is our current method sustainable? Is our food system going to be sustainable in 60 years time? Now, to help me answer this question, I interviewed George Lamb. George Lamb has had an expanding career starting in presenting. Many of us, if you're a 90s child, would have grown up watching him on telly. Um, he's also been a BBC Six radio presenter. But the last few years, he's had a huge transition in his career. And he's become much more aware of farming agriculture, but also how education and impacting the younger generation to understand this can have such a profound effect on our society. So I'm really excited to share this episode with you all today. George, welcome to Live Well Be Well. Thank you for being a guest on my podcast today. How are you firstly? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. This lockdown definitely is a bit, is, is like, I prefer it less to the last one. Mm. Um, there was something, uh, I don't know, there was something a bit more kind of unknown about the last one. And, 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 and uh, I think actually, like, I was trying to psychoanalyse it the other day and my missus was just like, it was hot last lockdown. So, and it wasn't, you know, getting dark at 4pm. So it was just a better vibe. Mm. And, um, and also, I think there's that the kind of drudgery of the, the knowing of you know of like the, the, you know this thing's just kind of going on, and we we just got to suck it up. And I don't know. I suppose there's there's probably like a bit less anxiety, um, and a bit more drudgery. So tell everyone about that about your kind of journey from where you started, because obviously a lot of people will know you from being a presenter. Um, and then obviously from, I remember watching you growing up and then BBC Radio 6 and now you're in a completely different area of work. So could you explain to everyone who's listening a bit about your own journey? Yeah, what you've been doing for the last 20 years. Um, no, what you're doing now is amazing and I have so much admiration for you, honestly. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, it, it's, um, so without question, it's the, it's the best kind of it's the best thing I've ever done and it's my favorite chapter so far you know I've been very lucky I, I, I am 
at college, I ran into, you know, I made friends with a guy and we ended up, he, he was like, I want to be a musician. And I was like, I'll be your manager. And we ended up having a whole kind of my, my leaving school till I was in my mid twenties was managing bands and DJs and had a wicked time and went all around the world and partied and it was great fun. And then uh, fell into being a TV, TV presenter and, um, and that equally was really good, you know, good fun and, and, and uh, was quite successful quite quickly and um, and got to enjoy all of the kind of trappings of success and fame and, and all of that stuff, which is, you know, a lot of the kind of social markers for what success looks like, you know, or commercial success looks like anyway. And, um, and all that stuff you kind of lust after, but no real kind of deeper inquiry and not really knowing who I was or what I was about and why I was here and all of that, you know, kind of, you know, the, the, the bigger, more pertinent questions mm. maybe. And uh, I think because I was lucky and I had all of this stuff from quite a young age, um, it just meant that uh, I kind of got to the, the kind of midlife crisis bit quite a bit earlier than most people. Um, and, uh, and so by the time I was in my early 30s, I was really starting to question my existence and what I was doing and what I was contributing. And uh, the riots just happened in London. And that was a really big moment for me when I had to check myself and, and really question, you know, what I was doing, you know, beyond myself and my immediate family and the fact that there was actually two worlds going on and most people had very little and were really struggling and I'd somehow managed to wangle my way into being part of this you know tiny one percent who was basically you know getting all the cream basically and um and that didn't and and and, and so I had this kind of realization that not only was I not contributing that the stuff that I was doing at that point I'd become a game show host uh, and what you recognise very quickly from being a game show host is that none of the people making the big decisions in the country and the power brokers and the people holding all the money and the big decision makers are sitting at home watching game shows. Mm. Uh, and in fact, game shows are distraction for poor people, basically. And uh, and so not only was I not uh, contributing, but I was also complicit in selling distraction uh, to people who actually needed, you know, who, who, who needed to be focused on what was happening uh, around them and and so whilst they're sitting at home you know eating doritos you know watching a kind of pointless game show mm. the the elite are just creaming off you know taking all the money out of the system and 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 having this amazing life and basically leaving the scraps for everybody else and uh, and so yeah so that's when you come to that conclusion or, or when you know like whether or not other people agree with that it doesn't matter like that was my reality or, or that that was my conclusion that I'd come to uh, and that's quite a lot to face up to and so uh, because I'd had a good few years run at it I was in a financial situation that I could say to my agent look I want to have some time off and I want to go and figure out who I am and what I'm about and why I'm you know what, what you know what am I doing here really mm -hmm. you know and um, and so began this kind of what's you know best part of a decade now of self-reflection and and, and discovery and, you know, questioning, questioning, you know, what, what existence is all about. And, uh, and through that, uh, you know, and obviously I'll just kind of jump forward a bit because otherwise, you know, it's a long old, it's a long old story, but, um, <laughs> through that, I ended up doing quite a lot of community work. Um, yeah. and then, and then through the community work, uh, I began to get frustrated quite quickly because there was seemingly a never-ending supply of, of, of kind of, uh, metaphorically speaking, of kind of half-dead people coming down the river who you could fish out, give a blanket to, give a cup of tea to, and, and, and you know, put a plaster on, and then you turn around, there's another 5,000 people coming downstream. And so, mm -hmm. uh, of course, there's a, you know, there's a real need for that, that, that help and that moment and looking after people and giving them a blanket. But that's also not my kind of strong suit. And I'm much more interested in, in going upstream and having a look at the kind of structural issues that mean that there are this never ending supply of people who are getting, you know, having, you know, really struggling, basically. And so I'm like, how can I change that? And how can, you know, what kind of systems level stuff can we do to make a difference so that so that you know, so that we don't have to constantly be putting blankets on, on, on everybody. And um, and I, I came to the conclusion that actually, you know, adults, you know, short of the building being on fire, adults are very difficult to, to work with because, um, you know, they, they won't go in one direction 
at, at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and they're all, you know, they're wedded to behaviour patterns and, and consumption uh, patterns and, and belief systems and, and whatnot. And um, and actually, if you really want to change things, you, should, you, you I decided that you should be working with kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you can turn a kid into a jihadi, you can turn a kid into a light warrior. You just need to put the right information into them. Um, and and so I decided I was going to work in education, and um, and around the same time as I, you know, as I, you know, so then I was like, right, cool, I'm going to work in education, <laughs> but I don't really know what I'm going to do in it, but I'm <laughs> definitely going to do that. Uh, I read a book called How Soon Is Now, which is about the ecological mega crisis, and it's all stuff that's very definitely part of our day to day lives now. But mm-hmm. this is kind of pre XR and pre Greta. And okay. it essentially just talks about the fact that if, if we don't radically change our behavior, we're finished as a species, you know, within, you know, 50 to 100 years. And for whatever reason, it's all stuff that, you know, I've read in the newspaper and seen, you know, on television and all the rest of it before. But for whatever reason, on that day, on that sofa, it all just landed. And I was like, right, shit, actually, everything else is arbitrary if we don't have a planet. Mm. And, and and I suppose what it also did is it, it kind of chimed with me because I, I, one of the things I'd struggled with as well is when you see, you know, you know I, I'd been throwing myself into these disengaged, disenfranchised groups of, you know, p- people. And when you see the kind of polar kind of differences of opinion in these people, you're thinking, how are you ever going to pull these two cohorts together? You know, like, is that even realistic? Mm. And, and, and you're like, what? You know, where's the base ground for these, you know, people? Like, where, what's the only kind of irrefutable thing that these two groups of people have in common despite all their differences and actually as far as I can see it the kind of mutual um, interdependence on the well-being of the earth is the only thing that everybody's got in common you know that's mm. the commonality and so I'm like if we can all focus on that for a minute not only does that solve our kind of short to medium term problem uh, which is like trying to save existence and the planet and all the rest of it but also maybe that's the kind of starting ground for um you know us to look across at our neighbor and go you know what actually you know like in our kind of mutual battle to try and save the planet i've realized you're not such a dickhead after all and maybe there's you know something to work from hmm. so i was like right okay cool so i need to set up kind of jedi training camps for eco warriors basically and 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 really focus on you know, raising the the environmental and uh, and and emotional literacy of a whole generation as quickly as possible, um, and and, I, and and that's kind of what I got into my head. And so I and and of course, you know, when they and and if you could get all the kids going into the education system to leave as full blown eco warriors who are all in touch with themselves, you know, proper caring, conscientious human beings, mm. um, then. Um, then, then they'll go out and do the work, you know, and um, and they wouldn't even call themselves eco warriors because that would just be the norm, you know, by that stage. And um, and so I called my mate up, who was the headmaster of a big uh, kind of comprehensive school up in North London, it's an academy now, but you know, it's, it was a, you know just a kind of standard secondary school, mm-hmm. um, and they'd been failing for you know, you know kind of. 20 odd years it had been struggling with its reputation in this school it got to the point where very few people in the community wanted to send their kids there I think they had 17 first choice applications for oh for, for you know year group mm. um and uh, they were down to about 50 percent occupancy so they you know like 50 percent of their capacity you know they should have nearly 1100 and they were around the 500 mark oh, wow. um and um, and he'd come in as the fifth head teacher in five years. And, you know, there was obviously there were some amazing teachers there and amazing people. And, you know, there was, you know, something to work from. But, you know, it, 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 you know, they they needed they needed to go on this kind of, you know, they needed to set off on a different path. And and he came in with his senior leadership team who he'd been kind of earmarking for the previous five years, saying, when I get my headship, will you come? Um, and whatever happened, the alchemy of these, you know, incoming people and the people who were there who really cared about the school uh, managed to turn the ship round. And they set their sights on, on you know, well, number one, they, they, they changed the level of expectation, you know, for the kids. So just like going to school wasn't mm. enough, you know, um, and uh, and they, they, they said they were going to be the most improved school in London uh, inside five years. Um, and and you know I think it's five years this year is up and and it will be uh, one of is if not the most improved school in London from a, a lot of the more wow. kind of um, 
uh, kind of stereotypical metrics. Um, and, and so, you know, by way of, you know, um, uh, you know, academic progress and, and, mm -hmm. and, and uh, attainment and, and attendance and so on and so forth. So mm -hmm. that's a beautiful kind of story. And, 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 um, and I could see that whole thing going on. And, and so when I went to Chris, uh, who's our head teacher, and just said, look, I've got this plan. And he was like, I, the school, by the way, is at the... The, in the north, in North London, at the top of the Northern Line, and 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 so it's just as the where kind of the city becomes the country kind of thing. And so mm -hmm. he was like, "Look, we've got a six-acre field out the back of the school, and you can have it if you want. You know, don't bring me loads more work, but like I'll support you, and I like what you want to do. You know, but like all you know, yeah. teachers are teachers are are time poor, generally Absolutely, speaking. You know, yeah. so um, and so um, and so he 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 kind of opened the door to us and. Um, and there I was, I was, I was, you know, kind of stood in my field thinking, okay, wicked, this is it. Like, I'm going to set up my, you know, this, I'm going to set up my camp. And, uh, and then of course I, I realized at that point that, you know, um, other than this book that I'd read, you know, the week before and my mum who, uh, incidentally is a gardener and has been banging on forever that all the answers are out there in the garden. And I just wasn't listening, you know, um, all of a sudden I was just like, well, I don't actually know anything about any of this stuff. And so, I spent the next six months going around and talking to anybody who would uh, who would talk to me about outdoor learning, and pretty mm -hmm. much all of them said, "If you really and these are people who, who are predominantly kind of you know food growers or involved in kind of you know f food production, young people outdoor kind of you know kind of standard outdoor learning stuff," um, they all said. If, if I was going to do my project again, I would take a, a 360 holistic approach to the well-being of the child. And um, and I would really look at different areas and ways of finding that, that common ground with the kids. And then gradually you can pull in all the other stuff that you're interested in. And so over the course of the last year or so... Um, We've been developing this. We've been developing this 360 learning model, and um, and uh, we've now arrived. We're probably a year academically, or a year and a bit academically speaking. Uh, we've been teaching as part of the curriculum with years seven, eight, and nine, which are the first three years of secondary school. Um, and, uh, and and we have kind of four pillars now. We've broken it down into so you've got ground. Uh, which is getting the kids outside, getting their hands dirty, uh, teaching them how to grow food, look after animals, you know, basic environmental study stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you've got you've got flow, which is about finding, tapping into that inner, inner kind of force. Um, so through yoga, mindfulness, meditation, um, uh, and, and, you know, really understanding how your body works and, and who you are from a kind of energetic perspective. And then you've got the third pillar, uh, which is one that we actually kind of figured out on, on the ground, which is which is think. And uh, and so unfortunately, because this because the current education system is built around this one size fits all system. Um, uh, and they're just the only way to, to metricize the whole thing is to get people to do exams. The system knocks a lot of the creative and critical thinking out of the kids. And so they're, they're constantly, by the time they get to the fifth year or sixth year, they're looking for these linear routes to a correct answer the whole time. So A plus B equals C. And they're petrified about, about getting things wrong. Um, and uh, and I, I didn't realize until I was there inside the system quite how, you know, what a kind of profoundly negative impact that can have on kids ability to grasp bigger ideas. Mm -hmm. and, and given that we're trying to bring lots of kind of big ideas and, and, and kind of systems level thinking into their everyday, um, if you don't give them the techers in order to like be able to compute all the stuff you're bringing towards them, you're setting yourself up for a fall. And so we work with the British Philosophical Society to build critical and creative thinking and discussion and ability to, to, to listen to one another and then expand on each other's ideas and theories. Uh, we, we bring that into the everyday now. And so uh, you, you've, you've got ground and you've got flow and you've got think. And then our fourth pillar uh, is thrive. And that's where uh, we go into the extracurricular. So how do you take what you've learned and ground and flow and think and put it into your, your everyday life? And, uh, and so we've got a, a, a basketball uh, academy, a boxing academy. We're just setting up farm club. Uh, we've got a yoga club. Uh, we're going to set a YouTube club up from January. And, and the idea with all of this is, you know, uh, unfortunately, 
um, again, you know, because of the way it's set up, uh, you know, education is, is often kind of like trying to get the kids' attention and then pushing your agenda onto them. And so with our Thrive, uh, you know, kind of, column we can we can find the things that, that the kids are interested in and then weave our weave our agenda into that you know so mm. we had for example uh, with the boxing academy we got a load of you know kids in the school who are hard to reach uh, and if i say to them do you want to do yoga mindfulness meditation food growing you know they're like i'm all right thanks very much you know mm. um but i say if you want to do you want to come to boxing they're all over boxing, you know? So then I've got 50 kids turn up to the boxing academy. Well, then it's my job to find a way to build in yoga, nutrition, mindfulness, meditation, all the rest of it into our boxing program. And that's exactly what we're doing, you know? And then, and, and so you just kind of, you just have to change the context and, 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 and you know, get them, to, you, you, need, you need to have some buy-in from them mm. before you're giving them loads of new alternative stuff, basically. Yeah. Um, that's so amazing. yeah. And we've been going, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. So yeah, we've been going now. Um, we've been going probably best part of two years as an organisation, and 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 um, and and teaching as part of the curriculum for kind of year and a half. We've got three hundred kids a week going through the program. Um, we've got uh, we've just won a bid with with um, this kind of a really amazing charity called John Lyons, uh, which is one of you know one of the kind of. Uh, uh, kind of top funding uh, bodies in 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 London mm. um John Lyons was like a a, a wealthy guy like Three four hundred years ago, yeah, and um, he all, he 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 set in his will, and his family have subsequently kept it going at that, like a pot of money to support young people learning. Actually, specifically in North London, oh, which wow. is where this guy John Lyons was from, um, and so they've just we, we've just we've just got a, a grant from them to operate a um, a project with our five feeder schools. So the five primary schools who 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 send all their kids to us uh, will now have two years introduction to grow before they arrive in year seven wow. um and and that's going to start from from next year so um so yeah it's really you know it's really it's it's, it's exciting for me to try and you know I, when i first came in i came in with my kind of commercial head and and you know like my my kind of you know key skill the ability to kind of schmooze people and and kind of get you know get things off the ground mm -hmm. and uh, and I was like I'm going to go in I'm going to get five schools then I'll get 10 schools then I'll get 50 schools then I'll get you know not, we're boom 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 but when you go into when you go into a school system you realize just uh, how incredibly complex you know big organizational structures are actually and what's happened over the course of the last year or so is I've I've realized that actually what I want to do is I want to I want to focus in one place and turn Totteridge uh, into a center of excellence and 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 obviously work with these five feeder primary schools and just show you know because every you know it's kind of analogous for every secondary school around the country you know they 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 you know it, the, the secondary school plus its feeder schools becomes this little uh, kind of ecosystem of its own. And if we can show it working in 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 Totteridge, uh, in this school that had been struggling and had every kind of, you know, deprivation index marker and, and mm. um, you know, was, you know, really having a tough time of it, if we can show it working there, then and and really fine tune and 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 hone our craft and and refine our teaching philosophy and 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 also uh, you know more interestingly maybe like tr figure out how you integrate grow and its philosophy into every aspect of the school so the kids are having touch points and 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 connecting with grow throughout the day in all sorts of different aspects of of of, of their school life. Mm. Um, then you know in five years from inception so another kind of three years from from now um we'll be able to say to anybody like this is happening it's real come down and have a look here's all the anecdotal evidence you know you've seen it in the newspaper you might have seen it on television um here's the 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 study we've been doing with a major university to show you the actual impact that this can have you know beyond uh, the, the 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 realm of, of of the school and into kind of you know broader societal yeah, plane talk to me about um, that. 
because that is what I think is going to, that's what you got into it about, isn't it? Is the education and changing yeah. these young kids' minds to being more conscious, conscious consumers, I want to say, more critical thinking, like not taking everything that's given to them, like actually questioning things, which I think would, I mean, I've become much more aware of doing that now, but I was quite afraid to say how I felt for quite a while for the backlash of things. And I think you're teaching these kids to not be afraid to think about things critically, to eat in a good, healthy, sustainable way, and like to actually understand the ecosystem of their foods. Like, talk to me about like the bigger idea behind this, like how, what this could create. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's um, big question. It's quite a big question. Big, I feel like I'm going to break. Coming, ho- hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, mean, so, so you know where I'm going with this, I think, but it's a yeah. big question. So, so, so we, you know, like what one of the things we've talked about amongst ourselves as a mm. as a group, you know, is, is kind of interesting at school. You know, like um, naturally, uh, you. You know, like school kids generally all migrate t- towards the kind of like the like a like a common thread. You know, they all wear roughly the same clothes, and they're all trying to. They're either they you know like our our school's probably no different to uh, you know school 20, 30 years ago. They're all wearing kickers, you know, and everybody's everybody's got to have the same. Everybody's got to have the same everything basically, yeah. and the independent thinkers are often the ones who sit on the outside and are perceived to be strange and odd and outcasty, you know? Mm -hmm. And actually now, uh, when I think about it, they're the kids who in my later life, I've migrated to uh, much more so than the kind of, uh, you know, my peers at the time who who we were all just so petrified of of being different Mm. uh, that we all just turned into this kind of homogenized mush, basically. And it was those kids who... Uh, had the the kind of foresight or the or the the, the had the kind of um, the internal belief or whatever to have their own to have their own thoughts and to have their own uh, kind of independence and 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 kind of you know like be comfortable with that. They're the kids who I now migrate to and who my friends are made up of. You know, mm-hmm. um, and at the time when I was at school, I would never have migrated towards those kids because they were too busy. You know, or, or we were too busy just trying to, you know, basically not put our head above the parapet. Although at the time we thought we were the cool kids, you know, mm. um, uh, and 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 so, you know, unfortunately, what happens is our when you don't have independent thinking, you're it's very easy to fall into a warped value system. Yeah. And our only real metric of success in the West is accumulation of wealth. Mm-hmm. And some people put credit, credence on academic, you know, uh, you know, achievements. But really, it's about it's about um, it's about how much money you can you can uh, pull together. You know, that's what this that's what the whole thing goes about. And that really, after you know, like several hundred thousand years of um, evolution, that's quite a sad state of affairs you know and um and i uh you know i suppose having you know having been lucky enough i was never like rich 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 but having been lucky enough to have made some money when i was young and and been around money um i was able to see for myself that of course you know it it like without question it makes life a lot easier and it makes decisions a lot easier but like this 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 kind of singular focus on attaining money above all else and not really developing as a human being um is is what i would argue has got us in this mess that we're in as a species now um and the fact that you know everywhere you look around almost every part of society is hanging on by a thread uh, because we've been on this kind of you know blinkered um kind of you know like 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 you know warp speed you know quest quest to line our own pockets you know and so busy going after this perpetual growth you know like you know often you hear people just talk about the fact you 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 can't have uh infinite growth on a finite planet like it just doesn't work like that's just that's not like anybody's opinion that's just a fact you know Mm. like you you and 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 all that happens is if you're looking for that finite growth as as we find is the you know number one what gets exploited is the planet 
Um, and now, you know, we find a planet that's, you know, full of, you know, plastic and, 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 and you know, and, and toxic, um, you know, you know, toxic chemicals in the rain and in the water table and, you know, and, and you know, crazy, uh, you know, carbon emissions and- or, or, you know, carbon emissions and oil leaks and all sorts of nonsense going mm-hmm. all, all over the planet and, and, you know, insects dying, you know, literally, you know, like kind of monumental levels and you know all the major climate scientists telling you we've got you know 50 harvests until we've got no topsoil left and and you know if we go over the x percentage uh, of of temperature increase and on and on and on on it goes Mm. and you ask yourself like how did we get here yeah like what is this what is this all about like why like like you know what what happens in the end you know and like and, and like society just like lauding these billionaires who were just gaming the system and just taking everything out and at what cost and like and and nobody ever holds them to account and somehow we've got you know like like fact whether we like it or not and I'm not saying they're all like bad people and blah 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 blah, blah like if you've got billions of pounds at some point you've exploited human beings and or the planet like that's just a fact mm. and like and yet and yet these these people who have exploited the, everybody else and the planet get lauded as like the kind of like the, the saviors and they're the best people ever and 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 actually we should be there should be like checks and balances and we should be holding people to like to account and saying like we don't we like the world doesn't need any more billionaires mm. like you're good mm. you've got plenty of money like it should just stop you know it should stop at 999 million or whatever and then and then and then the rest goes back into the pot yeah you know because um anyway I, th- I don't know if that's kind of answered what you were asking but um no it is it definitely is because you i mean you mentioned so many things like the top soil i mean you've mentioned so many things in there that i was wanted to talk about but i was just wanting to listen to everything you said i didn't interrupt you but like it's looking at the full food chain and it's going down mm. to the foundation of it i think as well which you work a lot with because you've got this fantastic farm that you started to build at the school and you're getting kids involved in the outdoor learning of it because i don't think there was any of that when i was at school and i do, i can't really name any schools that i know that would do that at all and i think a lot of people even our age aren't aware of the impacts our food system and the food chain and actually it's not just about what we're eating and increasing plant-based foods and reducing our meat consumption like these are all the things that are kind of that we're seeing every single day in the papers and that we're hearing a lot about yes it's important but it's like one very small dimension of the food chain because food affects how we farm and that's affected by the biodiversity and as you said about the soil it affects our health it affects people that are on low incomes um and then there's a huge political issue as well and these are all the things that you were mentioning so like let's go to one of them so let's talk about farming agriculture because that's something that i've started to learn a lot about recently and i guess you've done a lot of research and like understanding into this like what's your take on where we are now because i know as you said they're saying, I think it's the UN saying 60 harvests left of the topsoil, but that's where we get yeah. most of our nutrients for food. So that's what that's why yeah. it's so worrying. Yeah, so you know, like like so many aspects of of of, of life, you know, farming's gone, you know, far, we we're we're living out the compound interest of bad practice on bad practice on bad practice. Mm. And the people who used to be well so so imagine a couple of hundred years ago 70 odd percent of people in britain and this is a, this is the same worldwide would have been uh would have been working in food production mm-hmm. and now we're down to less than 1.5 percent wow and so your average person has no idea where the food where their food comes from mm-hmm. and if 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 covid has taught us nothing else uh, it's taught us that the only thing we really, really need on a day-to-day is food. Yeah. And 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 it seems crazy to me that you would teach anything to children before you teach them how to how to provide for themselves by way of of food growing and 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 what sustenance is all about and what what. Um, uh, nutrition is is all about you know like ha- having you know like our our whole species and our whole society is based on us 
you know, is based on our kind of us being alive and us being in the good, in uh, us being in our best possible versions of ourselves. And that is entirely dependent on the food that we put in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so for us to have as a species to have minimal, minimal understanding of that doesn't make any sense to me. Like it, it doesn't make any sense at all. And because it, because we are in the situation we're in, uh, we've now set up a, an industrialized farming uh, machine that, that is, that doesn't, it doesn't pay its bills, number one. So the food prices are illusory, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they are they are propped up uh, by the big agricultural companies, the supermarkets, and the petrochemical companies. Mm -hmm. And so when you go in and you see food being sold at X, you know, carrots for whatever price they are in the supermarket, that is not the real price of a carrot. And so what happens is when someone, when a real, when a decent farmer who understands how to look after the land and how to do all the right processes puts their, you know, organic plus, plus, plus carrot up, uh, everybody goes, oh my God, look at the price of those bloody carrots, you know, uh, and, and, and it's only because there's this falsely priced carrot, you know, conventionally farmed carrot over here, which makes everybody think that this, this, this real carrot is way expensive, but it's not. That's just the that's just the, the cost, you know. Like the, if you go around and, and and meet you know food producers who are doing it the right way, they're not all driving around in Ferraris or got yachts and all the rest of it. They're just living like normal lives, you know. Mm -hmm. Like because and they're just selling things at the right price. Um, and so we've got a big job to do, you know. And I'd say one of the biggest thing grows, you know, one of the biggest jobs grows got to do is trying to realign this value system. You know, like we've got to a place where people in society who um, are, you know, struggling financially um, will do whatever they need to do in order to try and get the right trainers or the right uh, clothes, you know, uh, or the right computers or the right whatever it is um, that is the kind of trend at the moment because that, as, a, as you know, culturally is the thing we've put a value on. And, and yet at the same time, those same kids would be struggling and, and parents would be struggling um, to, 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 to you know, get all the right brand names. They'll be buying the cheapest possible food, mm. which doesn't, you know, like, you know, the cheapest possible food, which doesn't have the requisite nutrients. Uh, it, it doesn't take care of, of, of the soil and the land and it doesn't take care of the animals and the people involved in the in the farming process. And so you 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 you've. You know, people are just literally buying based on price. And, and so our job is to switch that value system and say, hang on a minute, like surely you're the most, like you should be the most valuable thing in your life and you should want to look after yourself and nourish yourself and, and cherish yourself as much as possible. And so rather than spending the extra money on that, that kind of, you know, on those, on those kind of, you know, uh, perceived trappings of, of kind of, you know, social, uh, I don't know, whatever, like kind of markers of success. Yeah. Uh, surely the social marker of success should be that you put really beautiful, nutritionally dense food into your, into your body and mm. then give yourself the best possible chance of going out there and making the right decisions and living the life that you want to lead. Um, and unfortunately, we've just got it a bit warped and we're going to have to try and unpack that and unpick it and, and, and start, you know, moving away from, you know, wow, you look cool. You've got really cool trainers on to like, wow, look at you. you you're like, you know, you're absolutely glowing and your auras, you know, like, you know, through the roof and look at your eyes and they look amazing and you look really focused and you're you know, your body's in great shape and wow, you know, like that's going to be where the focus has, has got to be. Obviously, we're going to do a much better job on the marketing and the words of it. That's just me kind of riffing. Um, but yeah, that's... No, do you know what? It's so true because as a nutritionist, you know, childhood nutrition is one of the most important things, but it's also understanding where that food comes from. And the problem is in the most deprived areas, you also have five times the amount of fast food outlets around so like the choice is also so much harder because you're putting children in a environment actually where the choice is so limited and then generally we won't have five big main supermarkets that we go to to shop 
I mean, there's no diversity of food culture and food systems. And so what you're doing by educating that with getting kids actually understanding about soil and, you know, the food system, how it all starts there as a foundation to then increase the nutrient value and X, Y, and Z, you know, that is starting a change. And we know that when children's habits, when children create habits as children, then they last for a very long time. So healthy habits formed in childhood will last, whereas it's very hard to change habits once you're a fully grown adult, especially within food culture, which we're surrounded by today, which is not a healthy food culture in England at all. At all. Like, what's no, your... and it's no, it's no, it's no coincidence that um, you know it's much easier to get takeaway food or booze and fags in in uh, you know in local neighbourhoods than it is to get really good, healthy, nutritionally dense, you know, fresh produce mm. like. I, I don't think I'm not thinking there's like this kind of like kind of uh, awful um, kind of Illuminati running the whole system. And, you know, but like the, like the, 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 the corporations have got hold of the system mm-hmm. and, and they're just going to, they're just going to play out their They're going to use their playbook in order to, to carry on having this infinite growth every year. And, uh, and that means that um, they're going to, find a way to package things up as cheaply and commercially and colorfully and 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 throw away as possible and that means unfortunately that the the majority of people are the kind of guinea pigs for that and they mm. and they they'll they end up living you know they end up buying into it because you know because you know like going and having some fast food when it's got all that fat and that sugar and that salt in it like who you know like let's be real you know if there wasn't any kind of um you know, like like that taste explosion in your mouth, that feels great, mm, you know? And when you're young, you know, it's pleasurable experience. And when you're young, you can, you can kind of, you, you can, your metabolism can process that stuff much easier so that you maybe don't feel the kind of sluggishness and the slightly ugliness as you do when you get older. And so, but, but by the time you get to that, you're so bought into these habits mm. um, that it's very hard to, you know, people are addicted to it and it's hard to get off that, that hamster wheel. It definitely doesn't help with children's learning and growth. And the, do you know what the problem is we're seeing now, especially in children, is that there's so many children that are, they look like they're overnourished, but they're actually very heavily undernourished because the amount of ultra-processed foods they're eating, they're not gaining any adequate nutrition. So for bone development, yeah. you know, brain development, concentration, teeth, all of this, they're not getting the substantial amount of nutrients, but then they're overweight and obese. And for a child to feel that as well, also which i'm sure that you entwine like it reduces their self-esteem massively and it impacts them yeah and that then also saves them for the rest of their life so it's not just they're not feeding themselves correctly and and having nutrient-dense food it's also affecting their body shapes which can create long-lasting issues for bullying to low self-esteem to all of these things so it's not just also about the nutrient density it's about actually how that affects yeah that person's self-esteem as well yeah yeah, um, absolutely. You know, what's the biggest changes that you've seen from from Grow, and you know, what can you share? Like, what are some like really positive stories that you've seen from these children actually getting? Because I believe that nutrition should be compulsory in schools, and so should cooking. Um, but what's like your your view and your like positive kind of feedbacks that you can tell us from Grow? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm 100% agreed with you on the whole nutrition and and, um, and the culinary literacy also. Mm. Um, you know, it's pointless trying to teach people about nutrition if people don't know how to cook, you know, exactly. and it's pointless giving people all the best, you know, these are the best uh, ingredients and, you know, they're full of all this amazing stuff. And that is, if you don't know how to put it together mm. and you can't get the most out of it, it's, you know, you're, you're, it's, it's a waste of time. And also without that, you know, without that, you know, if you if you don't have that skill set, and and you know, what's the difference between a bunch of conventionally produced you know ingredients and the you know the you know processed ingredients or the best you know most nutritious you know beautiful ingredients in the world? Nothing really, because you don't know you don't know how to make the most of of, of them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very definitely we need to you know, and and somehow uh, you know, food tech is still just seen as a bit of a dos in school. Um, and it's and it's a bit like you know it's one of those things that 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 gets that gets kind of pushed aside very quickly and mm-hmm. and and always the you know the maths English sciences will take precedence over that you know again I, I you know 
such no, a like, shame. What, these one of those school, life skills is just like pushed to the side, especially if people you know no, are mental. much more doers than you know they want to use their hands, being more creative. Yeah, I just think yeah, yeah. Like in one of the first lessons they teach you in the Steiner school philosophy, and you know Steiner's got all you know its own problems and all the rest of it, but uh, is is bread and jam. I think it's the first lesson they teach you. So they teach you to make your own bread and make your own jam, um, and uh, you know going and picking the you know the fruit and boiling it down and going and getting uh, you know getting grain and 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 milling it and and then turning it into bread and 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 so for me that's a you know beautiful kind of foundational uh, step to you know kind of I don't know like uh, you know food sovereignty is, mm. is 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 you know teaching people the base level of of like this is you know this is where food comes from and this is what it's about and and we as a species are, are based around us being able to sustain ourselves through food um mm. and i don't really see what else comes in front of that but anyway so um so yeah so yes we have to sort that out and we're working on that and there's lots of other wicked organizations working on that as well there's a brilliant one that we work with called chefs in schools um who are f taking people who've been working in commercial kitchens and bringing them into the school system and then and then reskilling uh, a lot of the, the the catering teams and you know really raising the bar you know of, of the, the food um option and, and in the school so um I, I feel definitely there's some hope around that um obviously we've only been going you know not even two years from an academic perspective so anything i can tell you is is anecdotal but mm -hmm. you know one so of the, the most uh, things you see which i think can be the most yeah amazing um what one of the you know one of the most um just from a kind of food perspective i've seen yeah. you know kids really shifting their behaviors in the food that they eat and then subsequently uh, us getting you know getting calls from parents asking us to um uh, you know would we uh, you know could we help with some recipes because their kids come home and said that they didn't want to eat x y and z and now as a oh, result wow. the family are all eating differently and That's people are feeling amazing. you know you know yeah and, and and like we've had you know parents come back and um and say oh i need you know would anybody like the, the this blazer because it's now way too big for my child and you know and and all, all the rest of it. and actually as a family we're all we're all you know living much more healthy lives as a result of, of the, the kind of, you know, the change in perception that, that mm. our kids brought into the house. Um, also, one of the things that's really, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm still kind of undecided as to whether it was all going on, but we just didn't have the language around it. You know, like the level of kids uh, who struggle with anxiety and, and, um, and, and feel real stress um, uh, around their kind of school life and I'm talking about kind of almost you know like early you know like pre-teens basically mm. um, and and a lot of them uh, have come back with you know really beautiful um, kind of statements about how our you know how our, our flow and you know, our flow model a module predominantly has helped them um, managing their stress levels and, and managing their anxiety um, and you know just basic things like breathing techniques and 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 um and and learning to when emotions come up you know rather than just trying to suppress them to sit with them and and just acknowledge them and and, and work through them mm. um so yeah that's that's been that's been really you know really lovely and and you know and, and often you know one of the you know one of the kind of most uh, obvious changes you see is is you know kids invariably i'm sure i was the same you know they don't want to get their shoes mucky or they don't want to get mucky and um, you get to you know you, you you go when you're little you can't stop getting mucky and then you get to a certain age where you become self-conscious and you don't want to get mucky and and they're like i don't want to go outside i don't want to do forest school i don't want to wear the boiler suit or put the wellies on or whatever and you have this big nonsense hoo-ha fight and then finally they do it all and within 20 minutes they're running around in the trees. They're, they've got, you know, mud smeared all over them. They're, you know, like, 
they they're up to their arms in in you know all sort you know leaves and branches and you know you know you know set it. so it's it's just amazing how innate the whole you know how you know you know we are nature we're we're not separate from it and uh, somehow we've convinced ourselves that we're we're separate and mm. and we've got this duality going on and um and our our kind of rational minds telling us a million reasons why we don't want to connect with it and then the minute you give them an opportunity they just immerse themselves and they love it and they and and something really kind of prime primal takes over has it changed your view on um how you eat and how you interact with nature and you know the whole with everything i guess with mindfulness and has yeah. it kind of changed your view and have you changed your lifestyle due to, to yeah i mean I, I was i was um i mean you know, you you like to think you're developing the whole time. We should be developing the whole time. Um, mm. So yeah, w- w- without question, I'm learning. You know, the deeper you go into it, and you know, often, um, you know, I know you will have taught people. You know, when, when you teach somebody something, you have to really assess it from a different perspective because obviously, just knowing something, ju- just knowing something, and being able to teach it is two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. Uh, of course, over the course of the last couple of years, whilst we're breaking everything down and 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 trying to figure out what it is we're delivering to these kids, um, you have to really, you know, delve deep into to the to the kind of nuts and bolts of it all. And and of course, you're getting different bits of information and different perspectives. And and so yeah, you know, without question, Grove is having a, a, a an ongoing kind of perpetually positive effect on myself and my well being. What's your? I'd love yeah. to know what your kind of style of diet is and then from that i want to know what your thoughts are on the trade on the agricultural um bill that's coming up yeah so uh, my um I, my girlfriend who uh we got together four years ago um she the first thing she did was she bought me a book um within a few months of us going out and that book was called um eating animals by Jonathan Safran Foer. I don't know if you've read it or not. No, um, I haven't. I haven't read that one actually. If, I, I don't know if you're veggie or you feel like yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's um, if you if you're really into eating meat, don't read it. Basically, I, and, yeah, I'm a pescatarian. <coughs> right. Okay. So he 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 wrote what was that book he wrote? He wrote like a huge best-selling. He's a he's a novelist, you know, mm-hmm. and he wrote this massive massive book. And he made so much money from it. It gave him, he could have a few years to just do a kind of pet project and do something he was into. And so he wrote this book about the about the um, kind of meat industry and, and more broadly the kind of food system in America. Um, and like, but he writes it like it's a novel. Mm-hmm. So you you're you're in you know you can you can you know see and smell and feel everything that's going on in the farm and the abattoir and all that and you're just like ah like by the <laughs> yeah. end of it you're like I I didn't even want to eat anything to be honest with you by the time I finished it let alone I like the thought of eating an animal I was like are you crazy so um <laughs> so so yeah I've I've definitely I, I you know for sure like I flex a bit and and if I go somewhere and and um. I always, you know, kind of try. I'm like, I'm a good Buddhist, you know. If that's what you're serving, I'll, I'll have some of it. You know, I'm not Buddhist at all. But, I think that's um, the best but, you know, way to be. Then you don't put pressure on yourself. Then you're just like, yeah. every now and again, I will, but I'll do it in moderation. It's the philosophy yeah, of life. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 yeah. I, I, I you know, I, it was funny. I was at a friend's uh, the other week, and they were all eating this like really amazing beef, uh, and we had an equally, and she's a she's an amazing cook and and um and she'd cooked us this beautiful fish and all the rest of it i couldn't help you know seeing everybody like raving about the beef and 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 then i found myself what i was really craving was the was the fat mm. i liked the kind of the, the burnt kind of carcinogenic <laughs> fat <Stop laughs> and so i know really stuff i know i know so i went off and like cut myself a little corner <laughs> of that because there's like most tastes you can find in in other things, but there's just something about like yeah. kind of really like wow. Anyway, burnt so burnt fatty um, beef, burnt really fatty beef <laughs> that you can't <laughs> find anywhere else. Um, so so yeah, I I I'm, I'm generally speaking, I'm I'm kind of plant based. Uh, I, I eat some I eat fish. Um, uh, I eat a lot of bread. I've I've got um. So one of the things that that got me into this whole thing uh, was my mate uh, who'd become a farmer. 
um, had, had been a musician for years and, and uh, read an article, you know, similar to, to the book I read, just saying, like, if we don't radically change our food system, game's up. Um, and he spent the last 10 years uh, got, having gone from like never owning a, a, a pet or having grown, a, you know, like a, a plant in his living room, uh, has had sold his sold his publishing rights to his band and bought a hundred hectare farm down in the southwest of France in Gascony, which is revered as the kind of breadbasket of France. Oh, wow. um, and has started growing 300 year old strains, like a, a kind of wheat population with about 40 to 50 varieties of these old amazing grains um, uh, and, and started growing them in a way that is, you know, so uh, we do, you know, no till, um, you know, minimal intervention, you know, constant cover crop. So, so uh, really, you know, packing the biodiversity, you know, constant covering so 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 uh, like scorched earth you know uh, bare soil is mm-hmm. the total no-no and and plowing actually is a no-no if you yeah, look at the killing the, our diversity it's so, killing our diversity so yeah. so the the number one uh, kind of ecosystem on the planet is a forest that's the perfect you know kind of model that you're going after and you never see bare earth in the forest mm-hmm. um and, and so uh, he's become a kind of pioneer in the field he, he just got knighted last year uh, as a chevalier of agriculture um and and um and just won the biggest kind of agricultural innovation prize anyway so we have have just started farming um over here or getting farms to to farm to his protocols and and we set up a business called wild farmed grain um and we supply uh, a few bakeries in london uh, couple uh, over here called Jolene and Big Joe who were our first partners over here in the UK and and now we're we're working with Pavilion as well Um, and we're gradually trying to broaden that out and the the kind of long game for that is it's the long road to Greg's you know and and Mm -hmm. when people look at kind of uh, you know kind of regenerative agriculture they're like ah it doesn't scale and it's it's niche and you can't change anything like that and the reality is you know like the the current food system every single big uh, you know environmental scientist is just saying like it's not working and we've yeah. got 50 years left so we have to try something else and we're trying to be as ingenious as as possible and figure out a way that we can get as many farmers to, to switch over to our way of farming. And, and if we can do that and we can start going at scale, we can get the price down so that the Greggs and the Subways and, 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 and the places where normal, you know, working people eat every day uh, can start selling, you know, nutritionally rich, um, you know, healthy, nutritious, you know, easily digestible bread, you know. And, um, and so... So yeah, you know, bread, 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 bread's a superfood, and a couple of hundred years ago, you would have lived off it pretty much and water. And mm. and if you tried to live off, you know, supermarket bread now, uh, you'd be in big trouble. Yeah, well, especially yeah, anything that's white as well, stripped of vitamins. The only people I know actually that I see in clinic fear bread, and I don't. Yeah. And there's this huge, and there's this constant flux of conversation that I'm always having with them of asking them why it's specifically bread that they're fearing because obviously there's a lot of relation to weight gain and increased carbohydrates but then actually when I break down the nutritional density within a bread their mind's blown by how many B vitamins it has and all the folate and the fiber and all of these things that are fantastic for our health but that's obviously it's with a good source not your not your shop-bought bread as you said which again is going back to the problem with our food culture yeah, but the problem the problem is all of these artisan loaves are like you know four or five quid. Well, what normal yeah. people can afford four or five pound for a loaf of bread? Like that's not mm-hmm. realistic. And so what we've got to try and do is you know like we didn't we haven't put our organi- we haven't put our company together so we can carry on doing really spenny bread. You know we're we're going to try and make it attainable. Uh, yeah, make it attainable for everybody. You know that's that's why you know breads you know probably you know wheat's the number one food group or you know top couple of food groups in in the world you know across the place you know it's 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 a you know it's it was called the staff of life for a reason you know and, mm-hmm. and every culture across the world has their variation of it you know mm-hmm. or version of it and can for anyone listening who wants to just go crikey okay i'm just divulged all of this information where can i start like how can i start helping make a change what would you recommend to these people? Like, where would they start? Uh, I, I'm, you know, very definitely I'm about, you know, decentralized autonomous communities. So, you know, go into your, you know, like, like within five miles of you, there's organizations 
that are run by really amazing, you know, well-intentioned, kind-hearted, passionate people trying to make a change. And, uh, you know, without even, you know, going and seeing them, I can tell you they are under-resourced and undervalued and, uh, you know, and oversubscribed and they're tired. And even just the kind of, you know, pat on the back and a, and a, and a, and a kind of, you know, feeling of, uh, of you know, of, of that shared kind of collective social responsibility, even that, even if all you're doing is being an emotional crutch, like that's huge, you know? Um, and, you know, we, we often, you know, we get a lot of people now saying they want to come and help grow. And and so what I say to people is, well, look, why don't you come and, and you know, they, they, they're, they don't know how they want to help in the same way that I didn't know what I wanted to do at the beginning. I just knew I wanted to get into education. And so we just say to them, why don't you come and do a couple of days on the farm and spend some time with us and around us and here. And, uh, and, and usually it kind of figures itself out and you figure out what their skill set is and you figure out once you get to know them a bit where they could help and you see a, a hole that they could plug and, and we can find a space for them. And equally, uh, you get some people who they think they're at a stage where they want to help, but they're just not quite ready, you know, and, and that's a surprise to them as much as anybody, you know. So they come once or, you know, and then they don't show up again or they you know, they come and realise it's not quite for them. And, you know, so so you know just go and you know be on the be on the front foot and don't wait for people don't wait for people to kind of like sort it all out for you you know be be proactive i remember when i um was right in the kind of height of my television you know success the big charity at that point was called kids kids company which is a charity i i actually ended up doing lots of work with uh, after that but uh, at that point I went down to meet Camilla the lady who ran it and I was you know like so busy orbiting my own ego and I was like I was like you know like, I'm prepared to come and help kids company kind of thing and she was like great why don't you go and have a think about what it is you want to do and how you think you can you know like, I, I can I can I've got access to these kids and I've got key workers and we've got systems here and all the rest of it and you know we can uh, you know go after funding or whatever it is but like, why don't you think about what it is you want to achieve and where you want to help and then we'll develop Develop something together mm. and I went off and, and and actually I felt a bit of a, like it was a bit of an affront and I was a bit like I've just said I'm like will, I'm up for helping here you know mm. what I mean like <laughs> I could you know and and why is she putting more work onto me and I realized now 10 years later or whatever it is now I'm running my own organization that like what I, you know, like, you know, I'm now like the teacher, you know, I was talking about earlier where I'm, I'm kind of time, but I haven't got time to figure out all of your stuff and, and you know, like, uh, and, and like, uh, you know, unpick everything that, that's going on in your life, you know, mm. like you, you come and you come and see what I'm doing. It's mm. here. It's functioning. We're, 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 you know, providing a service. You figure out where you can bolt on your skill set to my thing and let's do it, you know? And, Sounds like and, how I work with our organisation, the BWAR Collective. It's the same thing. Any charity yeah. organisation, you don't realise how much backlog there is and how much hard work there is in that, yeah. putting it together. Yeah. So, so, yeah, just go out there, find something. And also, it's like going to the gym. You know, if your gym's on the other side of your town, you might go a bit, but you won't go all the time, you know, and it's and, and, and you need to put as few excuses between you and delivering that change. Um, so, yeah, find something that's around the corner to you. Find something that you're invested in mm. and means something to you and, 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 and then just go after it, you know. And so if anyone wants to kind of look up where Grow is or um, where can where can they head? Is there an Instagram? Is there a website people can head to? Yeah, absolutely. So our website is um, uh, wearegrow.org mm -hmm. and our um, our Instagram handle is wearegrow and then there's three underscores, I think. But I'm sure if you just start writing wearegrow, you'll, you'll come to us. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. And yeah. I always ask before all my guests leave, George, mm. what does be well mean to you? Yeah, I'd say being well or be well is about I wouldn't have said this beforehand, but what's come into my you know psyche right now is about kind of self, uh, about self love and about self nourishment and about self belief, and um, and really you know like if you don't do the work on yourself and you don't get yourself into a good spot, you're no use to anybody. You're no use to yourself and you're no use to the kind of public at large. Uh, and um, and so yeah, being well I think is about really looking after you and, and doing what you need to do to get yourself 
you know, happy and healthy and vibrating at a, a, a high frequency. And then when you get your vibration up, you'll go out into the world and, and everything that you, you know, everywhere you go, positive stuff will happen because the, 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 the vibration will just come and meet yours, you know? And so your, your main focus is just about getting you into a good spot and be easy on yourself and just trust, you know, be, listen to your gut, get out of your head, follow your heart and, and, um, and, and just be brave and, and then everything will turn out fine. I think a lot of people need to hear that right now as well, especially in this time of, yeah, of, of living what we're in. It's actually listening to your heart and being brave. I think that's fantastic. George, thank you so much for coming on to Live Well, Be Well. Wicked. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you to George for coming on the podcast and sharing his amazing story. It's hugely inspiring for me to record and listen to him speak. And I'm sure it was very inspiring for you all to listen to too. As I said in the introduction, I will definitely be carrying on next week's podcast along with this topic with an expert. So please do subscribe to the podcast if you enjoyed this week's episode. We'll be giving you much more sustainable methods of how you can integrate this into your life. And until next time, I hope that you will live well and be well. Before you go, I have something new to tell you about. There's brand new bonus content waiting for you with every new guest I speak to. These are exclusively for my inner circle of Apple subscribers. To listen now, head to the Live Well, Be Well show page on Apple Podcasts, where you can activate your free trial and you can enjoy the podcast without adverts.